Spirit, one God. Amen. May his grace and his blessing be with us now Amen. and unto the age of all ages. Amen. Christos Anesti. Christ is risen. As always, it is a joy and a blessing to see all of you this morning in the Holy Church as we continue to celebrate the resurrection of our good Savior from the dead in our gathering this morning uh, to celebrate the Divine Liturgy. And these days, brothers and sisters, as you know, uh, these days we commemorate our Savior's victory over death through his resurrection. Um, and this time is a journey for each and every one of us, uh, just as the great fast was a journey to prepare us for Holy Week and to prepare for the resurrection of our Savior. Uh, likewise, these joyful uh, 50 days uh, represent a journey to help us better understand who Christ is. On the reading of the first Sunday, uh, we had a chronological reading. That was the reading uh, of the resurrection itself, what happened on Sunday of the resurrection. But every Sunday gospel reading since then has been thematic. Every gospel reading since then has focused on a particular theme. And all of these themes in some way relate to Christ's identity, who our Lord Jesus Christ is. So in the second Sunday, we saw him as the bread of life. In the third Sunday, he was the, li the living water. In the fourth Sunday, uh, today, he is the light of the world. And then next week, he's presented to us as the way, the truth, and the life. And then we have one Sunday between Ascension on Pentecost, and the following Sunday is the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of the Descent of the Holy Spirit on the disciples, on the church, and upon each one of us as well. So we see that all of these readings explore different themes in our understanding of Christ as part of our journey to know Him more intimately, as part of our journey to cultivate a deeper relationship with Him, and ultimately to be sanctified and deified through our union with him. Today's theme, which comes from John chapter 12, verses 35 through 50, is Christ as the light of the world. And we heard the gospel begin with the following words from the mouth of our good Savior. Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you, for he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have the light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of the light. And so today it is fitting for us to meditate on our Lord Jesus Christ as the light of the world. And I want to speak to you this morning about Christ as specifically the light of creation. He is the light of creation. We may not have heard this expression before, but most of us here, I'm sure, are familiar with the verse early in the book of Genesis in which God said, let there be light. Let there be light. This is the first thing that God says in creation. Now, what is this light? Clearly, it is not the light of the sun, because the sun, as we know, was created on the fourth day of creation. And so when God said the words, let there be light, it was day one. The sun had not yet been created. It was still Yom Ahad. 
And so there was morning and evening, and the sun came later after uh, words. It came on the fourth day of creation. And that means that there were three whole days of light before the sun was ever created. Now, we modern people, we tend to think of the sunlight as that which makes the day. The sun is what defines the day for us, and the absence of sunlight is what makes night. But Holy Scripture and the ancient commentators on Scripture would have thought this to be a very shallow understanding. In Scripture, the sun marks the day. It does not create the day, but it marks the day. The day is still there, whether the sun is out or not. And it is important to know that Genesis does not say that God created darkness as though darkness was equivalent to light. Darkness was, so to speak, already there. Darkness is nothingness. Darkness is vestigial non-existence. Darkness is absence. So the darkness was there. And that's why the Bible's final book, the book of Revelation, tells us that in heaven there will be no night because there will be no absence. There will be no more nothingness. Christ will fill all in all. And so in the kingdom of heaven there will be no night because there will be no nothingness and there will be no absence for those who believe in him. So if the light of creation is not the light of the sun as we have seen, so what is it? As Orthodox Christians, we would say that this light of creation, which existed before the sun, is the inherent presence of God throughout all of creation. The inherent presence of God in the universe. The inherent presence of God even here on earth and in everything that is upon the earth. Maybe an easy way to comprehend this is to say that the presence and the glory of God have been programmed into every single aspect of creation. Everything in the created world bears witness to and teaches us about the presence and the glory of God. The holy prophet King David, he explained it very well when he sang in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament, the sky, shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. So in this psalm, David is describing the light of creation, the inherent ability of all of creation to manifest and declare the very glory of God that is programmed throughout creation. We acknowledge this same light in our liturgy and in our prayers when we chant with the heavenly hosts the hymn of the Trisagion, and we say, Holy, 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 Lord of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your holy glory. How do we know that heaven and earth are full of God's holy glory? It is because of the light of creation that allows us to know this. It is because God, His presence, His magnificence, His glory is programmed into every aspect of creation. Now this concept is oftentimes difficult for the modern mind to grasp. 
Because people today are taught that they are to make sense of the world around them, and everyone is encouraged to discover their own truth based on their own experiences in the created world. But the reality is that there is a truth that is running throughout creation, whether we acknowledge it or not. There is a light in creation. There is a way inherent in creation, and that way is Christ. He is the craftsman of creation. In our Orthodox theology, we know that God the Father created everything through God the Son. And everything was created through God the Son, and everything is to be a gift for God the Son. And so God the Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, He is the master craftsman of all creation, and His presence is there in everything that He has made. He is the light of creation and the light of the world in this sense. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Holy Apostle Paul teaches us that the light of creation is revealed on the face of Christ. And to put it very simply, when we embrace the light of Christ, we develop a true understanding of everything around us in creation. This means that whatever we study, if we try to divorce that thing from Christ, our study will be incomplete. You can't study biology without Christ. You can't study physics without Christ. You can't take upon or take upon yourself any form of study, no matter how noble, without Christ, because that study will lead to something incomplete, because Christ is the perfection of everything that is in creation. And this is the big challenge of science today. People have taken science and have made science a god unto itself. They worship science as a god. And they study science without God. And because of this, their findings oftentimes lead to theories and things that are incomplete. Whereas the Christian scientist, yes, she discovers, yes, she studies, yes, she is always uh, uh, staying on top of all of the modern theories, but she knows deep down that all of these ultimately lead to God. She knows that science is a way for God to reveal himself and his magnificence to us. That when we study biology, the great way in which God made us and made every living thing, that we see that there is an intelligent designer, that there is truly a creator who made this in a way that is not accidental. That is the light of creation, and that is the true goal of science. But sadly today, people want uh, in their secular attitude to divorce science from God and that of course leads to many of the problems that we see in the world and in scientific study today. We also remember today as we meditate on Christ as the light of creation that he is the perfection of what it means to be a human being. If we don't know him who himself is the perfect human being, then we will not be able to recognize those times when we are acting less than human. If we don't know what it means to be a perfect human, 
then we cannot examine our actions against that light and we don't know when we fall short. If we don't know, for example, how Christ loves, then we don't know how we should love. If we don't know how Christ relates to evil, then we don't know how we should relate to evil. He tells us, as long as I am in the light, I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And this means that as long as Christ is in a man's soul, he is the light of that man. As long as he is in the midst of a nation, he is the light of that nation. As long as he is in the midst of a university, he is the light of that university. In every place he is, he is the light of that place. And without his presence, darkness or nothingness or absence prevails. A human soul without him becomes a tormented soul. A nation without him becomes a group of ravenous wolves seeking their own interests. A university without him becomes a factory for heresy and for demonic teaching. When we look at all of the challenges that we see in the world today, we begin to see that the origin of all of these challenges is secularism. It is the willful exclusion of Christ from the public square, from our schools, from our families, from the media. This secularism leads to all of the challenges that we see today. Why can't our schools in America produce uh, children, students, who are proficient not only in academia, but proficient in their morality. Ones who are good citizens, who contribute greatly to the morality of this country. Why can't they produce this? Because we have forced God out of our schools. Why is our nation rapidly declining in her prestige and her respectability throughout the world? Why are we falling into more and more violence, more and more shootings, more and more anarchy in our streets? It is because we have actively forced God out of the public square. Christ is the light of creation, and without him, there is absence, there is nothingness, and all things lose their meaning. And so today, brothers and sisters, we acknowledge these sober realities and we resolve to be children of the light. We resolve not to live a secular life away from God, but to embrace the light, to walk with the light, to be children of the light, as our Lord said in today's gospel. And as we begin our midnight praise, we say, Arise children of the light. This is a call to each and every one of us continually. Our Savior in today's gospel exhorts us to believe in the light so that we might be children of the light. And St. Paul describes what it means to be children of the light in his letter to the Ephesians. He counseled them to reject the shameful lifestyle of the unbelievers living around them and to remain awake and to remain alert in their spiritual lives. This is how we become children of light, by keeping watch, by keeping vigil in our souls, in our hearts, in our minds. You see, brothers and sisters, our problem is that we oftentimes become 
spiritually asleep, spiritually dull. We fall prey to a comfortable and routine life that prevents us from seeing ourselves correctly. We come up with a list of religious activities in which we participate with some level of regularity, which is good. Uh, some we know so well that we could maybe do them in our sleep. Maybe some of us have some psalms memorized and we could pray those psalms even while asleep. We may sometimes even pray our daily prayers or read scripture or attend services while our minds are far away. They are elsewhere. We may fast, we may go to the church, give to the needy, prepare for confession. We may do all of these things simply going through the motions that have become so familiar to us over the years. And to make matters worse, we may actually then pat ourselves on the back after this and say that we are more faithful than other people around us. But this is a fantasy, brothers and sisters, because unless we are awake in our soul, our mind, our hearts, even the things that we do will not benefit us unless we are awake, unless we are keeping vigil and keeping that light alive in our souls. In these times, we need a wake-up call. We need, for example, to imagine a person sitting in a dark room for some time and his eyes have already adjusted to the darkness and he is comfortable in the darkness, not seeing anything else clearly. But then when light enters into the room, he wakes up and he sees things as they really are. He sees the world around him as it really is. And this is what we need oftentimes. We need to wake up with the light of Christ to see the world and to see our lives as they really are. And I know doing this oftentimes is not a pleasant experience. If someone was in a dark room for a very long time, when the light enters, it will hurt his eyes. It will be a painful and a jarring experience, but it still is a necessary experience. And we need this light to flood through our souls so that we might make any progress in the spiritual life. It is important for us to welcome this light because the world is increasingly blinding itself. The human race in, rap in a rapid fashion is welcoming darkness into the world. You think about today. Today is Mother's Day. And today is the holiday that was devised so that society could have a single day to honor our mothers. And this is a good thing because a mother manifests to the world a level of sacrifice and love that otherwise we wouldn't understand unless God had programmed that into the woman who becomes a mother. A mother is a sacred thing. A mother is a holy thing. And it is fitting and right for us as a society to celebrate them. But then now in our society, because we have welcomed so much darkness, now people have legitimate debates in which they ask, what is a woman? We don't even know what a man or what a mother is, but we're still trying to decide what a woman is as a society. And so we see that the meaning of Mother's Day for many people is sadly darkness because we have welcomed darkness into the world. And this is something, brothers and sisters, that we increasingly need to be careful about. 
Because if you notice the way the darkness enters our society and our lives, it starts with something like this. You have a group of people who follow the light, and you have a very small group of people because they have circumstances in their life, they choose to follow the darkness. And then that small group of people following the darkness, they come to the people following the light and they say to them, we want to embrace the darkness, but we feel that you judge us. Let us follow the darkness in our own way. And then the people following the light say, well, okay, it's not for us to judge, so we'll let you follow your darkness. And this a little bit of time will pass, and then those people following the darkness will grow. And then suddenly they will come once again, now that they have greater numbers, and they will say, we demand that you accept our darkness. And if you do not accept our darkness, we will shun you, we will cancel you, we will make your life miserable. And many people fall into this trap. But we, brothers and sisters, must always hold on to the light and not allow this darkness to enter into our lives, into our families, into our gathering, because we are children of the light. Sometimes it's hard for us seeing the darkness all around us. Sometimes it feels like it's something very depressing and we feel depressed, we feel like there is no home. But here we remember the words of one of the modern Greek elders. He said, I would go crazy seeing everything happening in the world around me if I didn't know for a fact that Christ will have the last word. Christ, the light of the world, will have the last word in all of this. And so our job now is, not, is to not despair. Our job now is to be faithful, to hold on to the light, to manifest love, to follow the commandments, and to do the best we can in this life, in this journey, and the Lord will have the last word. So today, brothers and sisters, as we remember our Lord as the light of the wor world, let us be children of the light and let us hold on to him in every aspect of our lives. And glory be to God forever. Amen.